0: Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of his sinners. Rise, let's go, here comes my betrayer.
1: Um, well, Matt Matt gave me uh, a, a subject, uh, because he's been doing a series on the Lord's Prayer, as you know. Matt said to me, would I, would I please pick up the phrase, watch and pray, from the various places that that appears in the scripture. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's a big challenge. Um, and I like being challenged, I have to say, but uh, it's, a, it's a big, a big challenge um, for me. Uh, and the reason it's a big challenge for me is because I am terribly poor at prayer. Um, and I'd like to, to read you uh, a little bit from this excellent book, Jeff Lucas, Establishing a Lifeline of Prayer. Hearty congratulations because you sturdy soul that you are have plucked a book off the shelf that includes the word prayer in its subtitle. This was brave of you. I normally run from books about prayer myself. I'm usually overwhelmed by the heady mixture of inspiration and intimidation that mugs me in turn whenever I read about prayer. The books on prayer that both thrill and terrify me are often well-written, carefully researched, meticulously punctuated and peppered with multitudinous Bible references. They include accounts of epic answers to prayer that should nudge me into praying more than I do, and are stacked with breathless sentences that end with exclamation marks. Uh, I don't usually doubt the authenticity of the sensational stories that are recounted, though those who insist that they regularly bump into angels before breakfast do make me wonder. But my main problem is that books about prayer are usually written by people who are quite good at praying. It makes perfect sense, but it's so unhelpful. Want a book about swimming? I hire Michael Phelps, not me. I've never mastered the front crawl. Um, books should be written by those who have a good grasp of their subject. But when it comes to prayer, some experts don't equip me, but edge me into a paralysis instead. I get a few pages in thrill to a few dramatic stories and I feel like a 25 stone arthritic at Manchester United shirt playing against David Beckham at Wembley. It's not a good feeling. (laughs) Uh, I love uh, Jeff Lucas because he's honest. He knows his Bible, he's a fantastic preacher, but he's honest. He does offend people, so if anything I say offends you, I do apologise. But if it's not true, come and tell me. So let's let's start at the beginning, watch and pray. I think the, the problem is how we teach children to pray. What do we say? Hands together, eyes closed. Do we not? Now, that makes very good sense. Hands together, uh, stop fidgeting. Yeah? Uh, eyes closed, um, avoid external distractions. Good idea. But the thing is, I'm a visual person. I'm, I am uh, affected more by what I see, I think, than I am by long screeds of words. And I think it's wonderful that 2,000 years ago, the word became flesh so we can see it. So let's not follow what Christians have done down the ages and spend ages turning the word back into words. God is not verbose. He's always succinct. Um, But the hands together bit, stop fidgeting is good. But the other problem I have is I'm a DIY person. I like to do things. Um, uh, and, And DIY is the antithesis of prayer. If I can do it myself, you know, I become uh, self-sufficient. Bob the Builder can he fix it? Uh, answer: No, he blooming. Answer is no, he blooming well can't. And um, you know, some of the things that we pray about, uh, we we can't fix, and I would love to fix them. You know, give me a few minutes with President Putin with a gun in my hand. No, no. You know, there are things that are just beyond our control, aren't they? Whether they're in somebody else's life and it's not ours to interfere, or whether it's uh, circumstances that have been imposed upon us. Um, So, as a visual person, and somebody who's a DIY person, uh, this watch and pray seemed to me a very interesting little phrase. So let's now go to the passage uh, because that's why we're here, to look at this passage. If you've got your Bibles, open them at uh, Matthew 26, uh, verse 36. Um, Just read the first bit. Uh, When Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, he, he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Do you notice he doesn't tell them to pray? He says, you sit here while I go over there and pray. He doesn't say, friends, pray for me while I go over there. He says, you sit here. And later on, he says, stay here and keep watch with me. Now, it seems to me logical that if Jesus says, keep watch with me, it means keep your eyes open. So here's here's another encouragement I have from Scripture that actually um, the disciples fell asleep. Now you might think that's a discouragement, but it's an encouragement because I fall asleep. Uh, whenever I sit down and try to read a book or concentrate, it, it's so easy to fall asleep. And for many of us, the reason is, is we're too blimmin' busy. We're always dashing here, dashing there. We never actually stop and rest. And therefore, uh, you know, when we do try to rest or or to pray, we fall asleep. Now, I'm now retired. So actually, uh, I don't have the excuse of lots and lots of things that I have to do. It's lovely. But I'm still getting quite busy. Uh, But, you you know, it does make me encouraged that the disciples were ordinary people like you and me. They wanted to fix it. Didn't they? Peter pulled out his sword. Um... They, they fell asleep because they're weak, the flesh is weak. Well, anyway, what about Jesus? Did he close his eyes? He hardly slept, I think, uh, uh, for much of the time, apart from when he was in the boat in the middle of a storm. Do you remember that bit? When they were all panicking, Jesus was asleep then. I find that fantastic. I notice that Jesus is always looking around. Let me give you some examples from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw the disciples. He didn't just see a couple of blokes fishing. He saw the people that God wanted him to call. And he called them and they followed. Matthew chapter 6, look at the birds, says Jesus. You see, it's okay to be an ornithologist. <laughs> Good authority. Look at the birds. Look. Look. At what you have around you learn from what you see uh, Matthew chapter 7 uh, watch out for false prophets you know every anyone who calls themselves a prophet needs to be tested against Scripture and you know I've met a few uh, in the past which I would not give much time to but if they're speaking the Word of God Then listen. Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. Most of Jesus' parables, he didn't have a book that he was reading from. He sat there and he looked. Oh, look, there's a sower in the field. Look at that sower. What can I learn? How he is scattering things around. Um, When I did an assembly on on birds the other week at at the school, uh, do you know the jay is the best tree planter we have? Because it, uh, an average, a, a, a jay can, can collect seven and a half thousand acorns in one year and it, it, it remembers where 90% of them are. And the other 10% are the oak trees that we see around us. Isn't that fantastic? Uh, now, how many things have we scattered? Uh, uh, you know, um, so we can learn from the birds. The parable of the sower, Jesus ends up with this expression. um, You are seeing, but not seeing. Do you know what I mean? You are seeing, but you don't see. Um, Henry David Toro, in 1851, I don't know quite who he was, but uh, I I read this quote, which is good. The question is not what you look at, but what you see. The question is not what you look at, but what you see. Uh, This passage uh, we've been looking at in Gethsemane immediately follows Matthew's description of the the Lord's Supper. And uh, the Lord's Supper, um, the disciples saw everything that was going on, but they didn't see what was going on. They didn't understand why Judas had to slip out. They didn't understand the meaning of the broken bread. Uh, They didn't see you know what I mean? There's seeing and there is seeing. Today, we've been watching the news. Most of us, I guess, have been watching the news quite regularly, possibly more regularly. We see, but we don't fully see. The people of Russia see what's going on and see something completely different. I'm fairly confident that our press are uh, independent and try to get to the truth. Uh, but whatever the, everything that you see on the television isn't necessarily true. Everything that you read on the internet ain't necessarily true. And it doesn't necessarily tell us the truth. I think there are twin dangers here. One of them is watching too much news. Oh my goodness, if you watched it at six, do you have to watch it at ten as well? You know, it goes on and on, doesn't it? And and the the BBC do tend to uh, go over and over. We have this reporter commenting. You can watch too much news because all you're seeing is a lens of a television screen. Some friends of ours said they didn't have a television because uh, everything comes filtered through that one screen. It changes their perspective of the world. Of course it does. It's perspective of the news editor. So don't watch television all the time. Secondly, um, uh, watch out for the false prophets, because there are people that will pop up and say all sorts of things. You know, the the man will come up in the street saying the end is nigh, you know, repent. And we've had those, but actually the reading that we had this morning uh, from Luke, uh, from Vince and Janice said, look at what's going on, but the end is not here yet. And there are people that will try and put their theological interpretation on the news and tell you that they're the truth. Some of them might be, but some of them are not. Uh, This passage comes straight after uh, the passage in uh, Matthew 25 about the ten virgins. Remember the ten virgins? And they were told that the the, the bridegroom came at midnight and, and, and some of them were ready with their lamps and some of them weren't. And I think the two messages we need to learn is this. First of all, keep watch. Jesus says, therefore, keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour. We don't know. Jesus didn't know, so why do we think we know? Uh, Keep watch. Watch. Uh, and, And then the second parable that follows the virgins is the parable of the talents. And and the people that went out and used their talent uh, were commended. The one who hid his in the ground and went and hid away was condemned. So keep watch and keep working. Keep working. Do not go and hide in a bunker and and, and say, you know, well, the end is nigh. And when this comet comes across, we're all going to get sucked up into it. Because people are sucked up into cults like that. And Jesus says, keep watch and keep working so let's pop back to gethsemane for a moment jesus is praying and the disciples are watching no they're not they're sleeping jesus is praying his soul out and the disciples are sleeping and when he comes back to them what does jesus say watch and pray so we've been thinking about watch now pray Watch and pray. What does he tell them to pray about? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. In Luke's gospel, pray that you will be able to escape these things that are coming. So there are some things that we're definitely called to to pray about. But we're not told to pray for a particular solution for Jesus. That's God's prerogative. Pray that we are... We'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the body is weak. Um, and, and, and notice um, that prayer is not just about words. I said already, it's not all about words. G- Jesus said, the hypocrites, they think they'll be impressed in God by their many, many words, whereas the man who just poured out his heart to God and said, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. He's the one who gets commended. And so, words are sometimes inadequate, sometimes they're inappropriate. I don't know what to pray about this whole situation. I don't know exactly what God is doing. But we're called to watch what God is doing and pray. So silence is sometimes the best prayer, to sit in silence. And that's why that Psalm 46 says, be still. It doesn't say, be still. It's stop fighting, if you take the Good News Version translation of that passage. Stop fighting and know that I am God. But I'm going to come back to DIY now. Because um, prayer often leads to action. You know, if you sat in your, in your kind of little prayer cell all your life and didn't do anything, is, is that what God wants? Actually, the, 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 the desert fathers who escaped into the Alexandrian desert in the first and second centuries have a bit of wisdom. And um, uh, it is to, to, to remain in your cell until the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something. Go to your cell. Your cell will teach you everything. Uh, And to remain in your cell until prompted by the Holy Spirit. So sometimes when you pray, he will prompt you to do something. Maybe to phone someone. Maybe to take some kind of action. Um, So I'm just going to close with a few brief illustrations of that. But what I can't tell you is what God is saying to you. If you watch and pray, what will God say to you? I don't know only you know that my friend taras their church are on their knees praying what did he say did he say go and fight did he say uh, go and hide in a bunker no he said serve the people that are coming through your town all the refugees so there they are serving those unfortunate people who are fleeing to they know not where they were led from prayer to action Um, The video I showed you, or the pictures of of God in the park, um, as over over 10, 11 years, opportunities to start a park community group, the lady in the green top who was picking up litter, I, I met her and she came to faith and was baptized. Um, the little group of people with the, uh, um, with the parachute, that was a BMS action team that were working in the park, the, the carol singing in the park. Um, you know, the, all, the, all the different things, the conversations, if you have your eyes open, you see opportunities for mission.: It's one of the reasons why I don't go around with things in my ears. Anyway, that's another. You can listen to the bird' song. In Ilminster, we've started up a share and repair service. And um, having been retired for a year and a bit now, I'm getting involved in that. And it's just a godly thing to do. God never throws out broken people or broken objects. He always repairs them. So for me, I'm getting involved down there. And I'm going to leave you with another personal thing. When you are looking, when you are watching don't just watch outside you need to watch inside what's happening inside of you uh, in 2003 I had a sabbatical and I started my sabbatical um, <clears throat> by going up to Northumbria community and uh, uh, Linda's farm um, yeah Linda's farm um, for uh, a retreat and as I went through this guided retreat uh, my the person who was, was my spiritual director, if you like, at that time, said, so I'd like you to draw a picture. Steve, perhaps you can put it up on there. There we go. I'd like you to draw a picture of your life. What does your life look like in a picture? Now, there were some wonderful artists here, so uh, I, I don't really need any critique afterwards, but this was, this was my best <laughs> effort. I stick to that, stick to the camera. So, well, actually, my life feels like Lots of heavy clouds most of the time and the sea appears to be pretty choppy and the rudder feels like it's broken off. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going, that's how it's like. But every so often I see a shaft of light. The clouds break and the light breaks through. That's what I saw. Three months later I was on a walk on the coast path and I had my little pocket camera with me. And I took that picture, and I got home, and I thought, just pop back to the other one, Steve. God revealed that to me, and then three months later, He revealed that. Now, it confirms to me that there is a shaft of light. And even if the clouds are really, really heavy, there is always a light. The Lord is my light, And my salvation, I will not fear. That's where we began our service today. Let's watch and pray.